My lucky loony. Does anyone know a good song? Something rousy? Michael is a very common name. The saber bear is most deadly, but it is trapped with no hope of escape. He was a romantic, and what is more romantic than a glorious death in defense of a lost cause? Yes, that's right. We're going down here in the blaze of glory here on Live Long and Podcast, D-Space 9 at 9-ish, Season 5, Episode 23, Blaze of Glory Review, an episode from 1997. But we're just getting started tonight here on Live Long and Podcast. I'm Dave Mater, joined with Jeff Mater, who's in the backyard. I'm here. He's here. And then we got Kevin Millard with us. I am also here. Also here. And Jamil Robinson. I'm here. <laughs> also also present. <laughs> Glad we got the attendance out of the way. I think Davin may also be joining us, guys. As uh, I just got that a... He is not here. Huh? He's, <laughs> he's not here. He not here. He's not currently here, no. Um, is he going to say past, present, and future when he comes in? He might. I could see it. Um, or Moog might show up. <laughs> Son of Moog. Guys, The Blaze of Glory, the final installment of the Michael Eddington arc. Uh, we've watched it now. We are reviewing it here on this podcast. We've been going through every episode of D Space Nine and breaking this down. Uh, we, I, Sam is back. Hey, guys. Hey, hey Sam. Sam. Sam is back. He lost Wi-Fi for two days, and he's got it back. So he's, he's catching up on Big Brother, and he's catching up here. We missed you last night, uh, Sam, on our Enterprise podcast as we were talking about Top Chef, a show I know you watch sometimes. Oh, I know Jesus it's no Christ. I know you. I know it's not Master Chef, uh, Sam, but it is a chef show nonetheless. Kitchen Nightmares is the best. Uh, Kitchen Nightmares. It's it's oh, all yeah. about Master Chef Australia. <laughs> Being consistent with your <laughs> with the right. international love. Please pack your knives and go. Please pack, pack your knives and go. Uh, that was who the guest star was on it, guys. But um, let's, I don't know. Jeff, uh, you wanted me to lead this. So normally you're, this is, uh, you're directing the conversation, but uh, we can start wherever you would like. Uh, the okay, beginning. well, uh, hey, here's my quick take here on this episode. I think that I, for the most part, I like it up until the end. The, the with Cisco's decision to like just let Eddington go like self sacrifice himself and like I feel like he knows it should bother him but it doesn't I don't really feel like you know we'll, we'll get to that but like it's just this whole episode to me up until that point is really good and then it's just like oh that was rough <laughs> you know he's yeah. yeah Cisco doesn't argue with him very long <laughs> no. <laughs> he punches him in the face. He, you know, he basically uh, because Eddington said he'd kill him. So like the their whole relationship is completely volatile. And uh, and then he makes that decision to like he's like, all right, you, you know what? I'll get out of here. You do you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you go face fourteen. I'll go with I'm Rebecca. Like, I just met ten seconds ago. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't uh, necessarily disagree because I feel like the ending... He was is a union oh, man. Oh, that's the wrong one. Uh, I always try to... Uh, oh, this... how wonderful. Yeah, is he no. worthy of a romanticized death, though? Um, 
is he worthy of a man? Like, I think that that's the case they're trying to make for it here at the end. I think Cisco's last line is interesting. I called him a traitor once. But in a way, he was the most loyal man I ever met. He was a marquee right up to the bitter end. You betrayed your uniform. So there's a bit of a, a bit of a no, dichotomy he's a here. He's a traitor. He's a he's a traitor and he's a, a megalomania. <laughs> And a, and, a, and a lot of other things. Um, Kevin, um, do you feel like there was a redemption to Michael Eddington, a character you have never really enjoyed too much, I know. Um, do you feel like on this rewatch podcast, um, any this episode in particular, have you have you come around on Eddington? Uh, no, as not, even, not even a little bit. <laughs> this was he what this was totally self-serving. Like he this was not some so, well, as the episode, some blaze of glory where he's defending, like there was lots of people, but really he was trying to save his wife. Like, yeah. but he took the hardest way. He took the hardest way to do so. Yeah. Like, okay. Spoiler alert. What is the fate of the monkey after they return? They uh, jail, I think. Cisco didn't let them go away. So why didn't he just go to Starfleet and say, hey, there's a whole bunch of maquis that are possibly stranded in this um this place. We need to go pick them up, right? I think I think Eddington's plan was to kill Cisco and take the runabout. Yeah. <laughs> Sam wants to know how the weather is where you are, Jeff, in the back. Well, you can see it. You Sam. know what? It's not too bad. Uh, pretty nice. It's like room temp. Room temp, twenty-one degrees. Yeah. Yeah. It's about that. Yeah. And yes, I know the Big Brother Canada casting is now open, uh, Sam. Uh, and Dave, you don't have to say C, right? It's 21 degrees. If um, anyone has any issues with that, trying to figure that out, <laughs> that's a them problem. It, it always, like, you see, like, Americans' brains just break. Wait, yeah, but Sam it. is also Canadian. I it's know, so 21. <laughs> just for the future, you know. I, I just wanna, okay. In the future, they should all be on the... Um, um, use um, Celsius. they should probably be on Celsius like they yeah. are in Star Trek. I'm perfectly happy having them think we live in a barren wasteland, <laughs> yeah. it keeps them away from here. <laughs> now, guys, let's let, let's hop into this episode. Um, uh, just to remind ourselves because there's there's more to this than just Eddington, there's a whole B plot here with Nog and Jake and everything else that we and Martok. Yeah, four minutes in the episode. We start here off with Aaron Eisenberg. Uh, he's at the first line of the episode. Squid, my favorite human food. His favorite human food. They're eating dinner. Jake is loving it. Uh, and there's a familiar flavor here, guys. It's puree of tube grubs. Oh, tube grubs? I figured if Nog is willing to eat squid, it's only fair that we try tube grubs. Fair enough. Yeah, well, Jake is such a bitch. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was yeah. loving it. Personally, I think respect is overrated. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> well. That's that's fitting for Jake. Yeah, he's not looking for respect or much else. Uh, this is a Cisco civilian wear, I suppose. What do you guys think of this shirt? Kevin? Yeah, I'm not sure. I yeah. don't think of it. Jamil. Um, you know where Jake gets his style from, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. The apple don't fall fall far from from, from the tree. Right. Why, why did they get these like uh, plastic glasses uh, from the dollar store? 
Can anyone tell me that? Maybe they fold down. They squish down. The traveling Maybe. glasses. They look like patio glasses or something. Like you would get. It's like, it's like every uh, every cup on Quark's bar too is just patio glasses. Yeah, I guess this looked futuristic in 1997. But yep. uh, I can I, I I'm a bit confused by. It. Um, anyway, so uh, he says we the Klingons. The Klingons are causing problems because, because Nog is working security, guys. Uh, he says it's interesting, and Jake's like, "Tell him, tell him." And uh, he's like, "Well, the Klingons don't respect me, or whatever. Uh, they don't, you know, they're always too loud, whatever." And uh, Cisco's avenged is uh, just, uh, you know, be like more like a Klingon. Do what a Klingon would do. <laughs> yeah, and get their get their attention. Uh, anyway, so Martok comes here and and Nog's like, "Okay, I'm going to do it." And and Cisco's like, "Not, not now, not." Cisco puts his hand right in his face. <laughs> no, <Stop>. no, <laughs> no. I'm talking to the general. He looks like he's got that look in his eye. Like I got to, uh, you know, he's going to shiv you right where you stand if you try anything. <laughs> try anything. <laughs> right, and and even Jake's like, "Okay, let's get out of here." Oh, oh, right. You know? Also, just... Nog, understand where you are. You're not security of Cisco's quarters. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, uh, Martok shows up here, guys. He gives this um, report over um, because you got to remember, like the Klingons, until not too recently, were ant- bad guys or ant- antagonists to the crew here on Deep Space Nine. Right. They've only recently become their friends again. And he shows them this report here on the pad. Uh, we'll, we'll learn that this is Rebecca Sullivan, the, the wife of Michael Eddington. Um, but she says, uh, well, you know, we're going to get revenge uh, for all the Maquis that have died uh, because this is a, a Maquis message. Uh, official Klingon uh, transcript. Um, and, and, and Martok explains that like Klingons were helping the, the Maquis. They gave them 30 cloaking devices. <laughs> class four think, yeah class four whatever that means and um and yeah like he's like well we thought we'd they'd use them on their ships but maybe they put them on a bunch of missiles and and the war is about to kick off anyway you know in like what three or four episodes yeah um uh, but they're they're like i thought it was interesting here that even the klingons are like well we should try to stop this war if we from kicking off if we can because it's going to be um one, I, I get more why like why Cisco and the Federation want to prevent this war. I'm a little less clear on why the Maquis, or sorry, not the not the Maquis, the Klingons the here. Klingons. Want we well, don't want to, other than you know, maybe Mart- Martok is a got more sense than that because he knows the cost of war, uh, despite all the bragging and the search for glory, the blaze of glory, if you will. If they're not at war, though, Dave, like why is it that when they encounter the Jem'Hadar, it's just full of gunfights and they try like you know even spaceship fights like why is it that you know the guns are the gloves are off apparently when you're just a runabout in the badland well you know yeah I mean? like yeah we saw like the crew of the Rataran destroyed the Jem'Hadar they, they obviously have run-ins and there there's but it's not that's different than a formal declaration of war where it's just like we're coming at you non-stop until you are defeated full force right? Yeah, compared to like if I see a ship that is in my proximity, I might shoot it down or something like that. It's right. It's a they're they're hostile, but they're not formally at war. But to um, be fair, in the Badlands, if the ship disappears, who's gonna say what? Uh, yeah, 
well, right. exactly. You know, it's not like it's all about what's going what's going to be enough to kick off the war. And if Cardassia was was attacked by uh, by these Maquis uh, humans, uh, that that it, it would definitely have a, a fallout. The Jem'Hadar and the Dominion would try to would would then have the reason they need. So they don't they don't want I guess they don't want to lose the moral high ground either is maybe part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, and we, we know that the Maquis were not doing well after the, you know, the Dominion or Cardassia joined the Dominion, but, uh, Martok says. The saber bear is most deadly when it is trapped with no hope of escape. Yeah. Uh, so the Dominion, the, the Maquis have nothing to lose here and, uh, and we need to try to stop them or you need to, specifically you, Cisco, you need to try to stop them. <laughs> I'm not going to do shit. So. That's how we, we lead us. I'm just gonna headbutt guys on the promenade and give Nog yeah, he a hard uses time. His news and then just goes parties for three days. Like, yeah, he doesn't doesn't come with him on this mission. Doesn't like you know. You think that the Klingons would at least try? Okay, we're gonna try to help you because we kind of created this situation where the Maquis might have cloaked missiles, right? But nope. Which it is kind of funny that like Nog was like kind of just totally trashing the Klingons and is like opening speech or whatever right and now that cisco basically yeah has a click on come to him say hey we have this problem and then yeah you're right like cisco goes off by himself i guess he's doing as a klingon would do <laughs> going off by himself on some sort of crazy mission with a person what a klingon would do yeah <clears throat> maybe that's what he's doing in this episode or do what a maquis would do yeah because i guess there's I don't know. There, it feels like there's unfinished business for Cisco with Eddington, you know? Um, and this is only really... Eddington yeah. with the Maquis... Yeah, comes... Dave. He, he wants to put him in a situation where he will end up dead, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you betrayed your uniform! He, he, he's basically like, you know what? You're rotting in that prison. It's no good for you. How about we just, you know, expedite, <laughs> expedite <laughs> this situation? <laughs> Uh, um, I don't know if you guys noticed this in the episode. All the exterior shots uh, that I was watching this episode, like the ship, the station, they looked great for some reason. Like really, like uh, awesome, more than usual. Yeah. Um, just more textured. Anyway, so so that we find great. out that initially, um, Cisco did send a Klingon. He sent Worf and Dax uh, here. He sent them on the mission initially to go search for the missiles and check out the Badlands, but they didn't come up with anything because they were run into the Jemadar. He said, even though we were cloaked, the warp engines just are to give off too much of a, a rustle. The leaves, the leaves are shaking, guys, or whatever the analogy is that Dax gives here. You know, Brian, Brian's barely in this episode either, but he's like, let me guess the warp engines. Oh, yeah. So, so they write out the defiant. Like Cisco can't have the defiant for this episode. He has to resort to runabout, which is going to make the mission small. You think he'd bring like a security officer with him, or like one other person? No, he know? was already betrayed by a security officer. <laughs> He's not bringing one, another one. Yeah. And no he didn't way. want he didn't want to bring Otto because he wanted Eddington to die by his own hands. <laughs> <laughs> this mission was super dangerous. Like you know, when you think about it, for Cisco, like he's putting himself completely at risk when he doesn't really have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. In a he runabout. Did, like everything with the Maquis, he takes so personal. Like he, like, you know, and I, I think I think that one of the things I think Eddington does have a point about him is that why 
Why is Cisco in particular fixated on the monkey? Oh, yeah. This whole episode is a tale of two egos. Yeah. <laughs> True. So we go, we go to where um, we find out Eddington is has been all this time. Um, and I always felt like this was a season six episode. It's actually a season five. He was only captured, I don't know, like 15 episodes ago. It was this. It was in this season. You see, um, they mention weeks. Yeah, like weeks in terms of like he was expecting him weeks ago to come and see him. Well, yeah, he caught Eddington, and then the very next like episode is is uh, when the Dominion where Cardassia joins the Dominion. So it's like he he got captured just before the the Maquis were about to get wiped out. You know, we we find him um, uh, sleeping here in his cell. Uh, he wants to know if it's a nightmare. This is a nightmare, all right, but you are wide awake. Is, is this a, is it, I must be dreaming, or is this a nightmare? Um, so Cisco is here to see him. Uh, I guess those those guys, their job is just to watch him all day sleep. Well, I don't know if he sleeps all day. <laughs> their day's the job is to watch the 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 white border, you know. Make sure that, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Cisco Cisco's talking to him. Uh, there's a lot of like just Eddington is. Chewing up the scenery around here, and he says, I think you're gonna want to watch this. Throws him the pad. I like how they I don't like Eddington, but their dialogue is always great. Oh, yeah, like these two actors really did have good chemistry, especially no Javert, though. No Javert, no Javert reference or anything like that. Um, you should have took a new play or something as a reference, (laughs) so so, some new, some new metaphor, yeah, like you're Fagin and I'm Oliver Twist, and you're. <laughs> Maybe yeah. for more something along those lines. Anyway, so so Eddington says, um, "I don't care. It's got nothing to do with me." Michael is a very common name. Yeah, could be any Michael that she's talking to. Who's he? He's like, that's true. But you know, you are one of the most important Maquis people. So good chance you're talking about you. He says. He says, well, no. And, and and we find out later in the later part of this episode that this was all Eddington's plan. That the missiles were some kind of a code for a fallback base, right? Yeah. Which is where this 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 takes us. Um and Cisco doesn't Cisco wants him to volunteer, but ultimately he doesn't. And he's like, Well, what if I hadn't what if I just left? He says, then I would have volunteered. So I was just gonna mess with you as much as I thought I could get away with, was kind of Eddington's whole game here. Yeah, de- delay it. Delay it as much as possible to rescue his wife. But isn't there some urgency? Like, his wife has said, I'm I'm out of fallback position. Come save me as soon as possible. Does he have time here to mess around? <laughs> like, Well, it's, it's not like it's days. It's a few minutes. There's always time for witty banter. <laughs> uh, we're joined here... We're joined here by um, Davin coming to us maybe from the car. From the car. Driving. I had to do a little Airbnb run, so heading away. I'm heading back from Halifax now. Yeah, what you think I of this episode? I with you guys on my way, because why not? Right. Interesting. Well, welcome. He, yeah. So we got Jeff in the backyard. We got Davin in the driver's seat. Yeah. And uh, and one question from Sam here is why does the DS9 have that blue CC caption coming on the screen, but the others don't. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that, Sam. It's closed caption, so I guess Maybe they might have embedded it. It's embedded, I think, in the actual like the actual 
video or whatever. Yeah. Like from the, from back then. Closed captions, I think, were somewhat new back in the day. Oh yeah. For back sure. in this day, especially. Would you guys like to hear how hard it is to grow tomatoes? I can tell you all about it. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I got that on lock, man. Uh, where? Do you know how hard it is to grow tomatoes? Not it's at always all. too much rain, or, or not enough. It's too hot. It's too cold. But I still grow. I wonder what happened to those tomato plants. Tomatoes are Probably like the herpes the of our garden. It never go. They never go away. Yeah, yeah. They, they will grow through concrete. Yeah. <laughs> if one tomato to rot in the dirt, you're going to have a thousand tomato plants. <laughs> well, Eddington says, I'm just going back to sleep and dreaming about my tomato plants here at this part of the episode. Someone's got too many screenshots because this is just a long conversation these two have. Yep. It just hey, goes back and forth. It's like back tennis. and forth. It's like a tennis. Yeah. Okay, guys, then we got this other plot line that pops up here. Kind of randomly in the episode, Quark, it's Quark. He's being treated by Bashir here. Um, we don't know why initially, but then uh, Odo and Kira show up and say, "Oh, uh, there is a, did you catch him?" He says, "Oh yes, we caught him." Here, I got the clip. We caught him, or rather, I should say, Major Kira caught him. I didn't really do anything. I was in the Bajoran shrine meditating, and he burst in stark naked, fell to his knees, crying out to the prophets for protection. On. All people who would have thought he just snapped like that. Certainly not me. Yeah, certainly not me. Uh, we find out here that Quark was talking to Morn and saying that you know the, the war is about to kick off. We're probably the first target uh, here in the you know, and we're probably all going to die. And, um, I don't really know what Kira and Odo are trying to get at here with Quark, like the victim blaming. Yeah, I don't really. See, he's he's been attacked. Mourn, more he's fear mongering, but that's not a crime, is it? On the station, <laughs> it is. According to Odo, it is. Um, I do like. I, I wish we got to see Morn strip naked, jump into the uh, the, the Bajoran temple. Um, all those things, but anyway. Just needs a cool mud bath. <laughs> anyway. And then, like, it's it, 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 like a little bit of comedy here at the end, I guess, is he's like, uh, people are too jumpy. And then he goes, hey. Yeah, it was, it was unnecessary. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so so we got a conversation here between over subspace where uh, Cisco's like, well, I'm, I'm going to go looking for the a bit of. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> I already know how you feel about these things, so I'm, I was just waiting for you to break. I'm sorry. Well, I'm trying, but it's just like pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop! Yeah, <laughs> Sam's saying Davin driving right now is giving him anxiety. Well, me too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was says, anxiety. It, was, it kept building. Davin, pay attention to the road. There could be children watching, and you're teaching the bad habits. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> fault is logic. <laughs> Let's see if he comes back. <clears throat> um, so I did like this reveal here where he's, you know, she's like, "Well, I don't like you going alone." He's like, "I'm not alone. I could have brought those security officers that were in that cell, but no, I'm bringing just Eddington." No, I'm bringing and, a convicted criminal, <laughs> like a, t a terrorist. 
with me and with nothing more than handcuffs. And he knows where the phasers are stored in this in this cabin, but it's all good. Uh, uh, I'm disappointing that there was no um, 48 hours references like um, you're just a crook on a weekend pass or something like that. Let's <laughs> go breaks out his best Nick Nolte reference. Yeah. Man named Hawk. <laughs> yes. Break yeah. out the hawk, man. Break out the hawk. I think this is like a little bit of a hawk mission for him here. Yeah. Anyway, Kira's like, oh, okay. Well, good luck. See you <laughs> later. Um, you know, and uh, here he brings him dinner, guys. He brings him uh, these uh, re um, replicated protein molecules and retextured carbohydrates. Is what he's described here. And this is where he says, well, you don't. You don't even know about like growing real food. We already played the the tomato um, clip, um, you know. But anyway, he's but he just doesn't saying. know about he he used um, the hydroponics lab to you know make the whatever dinner for the staff, right? And he put too much what tamarind. Tamarind is what tarragon. Tarragon. So you did put too much tarragon in the stuffing. Too much tarragon in the stuffing, uh, but he talks about like you know you create you 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 made all this um, food and uh, you you see it's better. He basically he's, he's saying that the Federation life sucks, that the Maquis had the right philosophy, that they're more enlightened than Starfleet, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, all right, does anyone buy into this argument? No, Jeff. It's dumb. I can see it. I can see what he's saying. But, like, you could be a part of the Federation, not be a part of Starfleet, and grow your own food. It, it yeah. is right. Like, <laughs> right. It's a stupid you don't argument. Have to be a free, you don't have to be a freedom fighter. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah a stupid you, and argument. you don't have to start from scratch. Like, you don't have to terraform a new planet. There's plenty of places you can go and grow tomatoes. Well, wherever you go, Cisco's going to show up and shoot some quantum torpedoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, they both they both don't eat their dinner uh, here. They both like take two bites and then they put it back in the replicator and they get into this whole philosophical speech here uh, about everything else. You know, he talk he tells him about Cal Hudson guys, the old the other Maquis guy that we never saw again after the the original Maquis two parter, and nobody ever cared about. <laughs> nobody cared about, but he's like, yeah, he died. Um, and you thought he was right about you thought you were wrong about the Maquis, but he still he he forgave you for whatever, but you never forgave him, etc. etc. And um, you know, he says, uh, you can you you want to blame me for everything? Uh you go ahead, right? But that's that's not uh the the, the reality of it all. Uh where's my Cisco speech when I need it? Here you go. You want to blame me for what happened to the Marquis? Fine, go ahead, blame me. Blame Starfleet, blame the Federation, blame everyone except Michael Eddington. The Marquis won its greatest victories under my leadership. Your leadership, your shining moment of glory. Michael Eddington gets to take off his gold uniform and play hero. That's what you always wanted, to lead troops in a glorious cause. Well, you had your chance. And look where you led them, right into their graves. They died because I wasn't there when they needed me most. Because you put me in jail. They died because you filled their heads with false hopes, sold them dreams of a military victory when what they needed was a negotiated peace. We had the Cardassians on the run. And they ran right into the arms of the Dominion. End of story. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> if that was made nowadays, he would say, period. <laughs> period. 
But I, I, I got to agree with Cisco. Like everything, his assessment is 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 right. And like Eddington was just doing it for his own glory, his own blaze of glory, whatever. Um, that you know, I think he, I, the Maquis were never my favorite invention. I think that having half of the or a quarter of the crew on Voyager being Maquis is kind of weird because they're not exactly the noblest. Um, I don't necessarily see their point of view that well. Um, especially with what all the information we get after here. But uh, Jeff, any, any take on the Cisco Eddington uh, things, the, what happened to the Maquis, their ultimate fate? I don't know. I kind of like the Maquis. I think everyone puts them down. I think they're very interesting um, to talk about, like, like freedom fighters versus military and people who, who defect and, and and the relationships between them that's kind of what they're dealing with i think uh, a lot with the maquis and it works and um that's why it works for like voyager too they don't really do a lot of maquis centric episodes though on voyager which they should have not not a lot of them uh jameel any what you got any thoughts on this um the, Ma- the maquis in general yeah um i feel like if they actually like took the time to explore it and find an interesting angle. I never felt that they found that angle. There was like Eddington. They really liked, they really enjoyed that portion of it. But other than that, like really the Maquis is more of a conversation to be had with uh, the Bajoran stuff because you have Bajorans who fought for their freedom um, a lot yeah. of the military is ex-freedom fighters now dealing with another set of freedom fighters and that whole, you know, conflict of, well, we're trying to establish ourselves. We understand your plight, but we don't necessarily agree with it. Right. And the Starfleet's in the middle. I think that would have been an interesting dynamic that we sh- that should have played out more. But honestly, meh, I don't care. Well, and, and 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 Kevin, like my favorite episode, really to, anything to do with the Maquis was a Next Generation episode, Preemptive Strike, which is where Rolaren ends up going to join the, the Maquis, right? And we never get to see her again. Um, but you know, at the end of the episode, she portrays the Enterprise, and that's kind of the end of her character. You know, I would and, have liked to have seen Picard go on a Cisco style. <laughs> you betrayed your uniform. <laughs> you betrayed your uniform. <laughs> But that never happened. Like Picard lets it go, and he's like, "Whatever." <laughs> I got other things to deal with. Um, anyway, but there, you can see there. There's a little bit of, the, of Cisco's speech that does sort of resonate here with Eddington. Well, I think uh, the brilliance is that you agree with both of them. You can see both of their points because they're both giant egomaniacs. True. Like yeah. it, true. it is all about their egos yeah Eddington's not wrong about everything he's clearly got some good points which i think was what makes him interesting um you know but he's all but he's he's clearly got the like cisco has the moral high ground right always <laughs> in in this debate and the jim hadar is the lava <laughs> yeah the floor is lava <laughs> um anyway so back to the station uh we got here, uh, this is at Quark's. The Klingons are, are head-butting each other. And, uh, and Bartok's like, you got to do it harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, oh, my God. It was, it was I funny. think 
I think when Jake says that's got to hurt or whatever, it does look like it's probably had to hurt. Well, the Klingons do have those bones on their heads. I think they can take more of a headbutt than a human can. But oh, I uh, just not the actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so um, yeah, and, and and Nog here doing his Peter Fonda chair thing. Uh, just sitting back, waiting. You know, this should be like against station regulations. Putting your feet up on the on the table. That's unhygienic. Uh, it's not hygienic. Uh, he's, wait- pork, pork he's, wait- he's waiting for like the Klingons to get above seventy decibels, which isn't that loud. Right? I, but um, anyway, he's like that. Then it's 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 a uh, it's disturbing the peace. He says, "Are you going to arrest General Martok?" He says, "Oh yeah, just wait." <laughs> and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then he falls back here, you know, in front of the double table. And the Klingons just laugh, you know. And he's like, let he wants the whole bar to leave um uh, before any uh, you know, he'll get up. This is he'll just wait here. Anyway, back to the uh, back to the Badlands or into the Badlands. Here we go. The, the I always thought the, the Badlands was a, a really cool place, uh visually for them to explore. And I think this is one of the last times they go there in the show. I don't think we're going to get too many trips back here. No, um, but here, why, Eddie Din's uh, sl- just sleeping. Sorry, what's that, Jamil? Why would you go back there? That's not the, well, I guess to hide. I guess it's the only reason to go there, right? Because um, it's it's dangerous, right? It can destroy the ships. You got to like no- navigate around it. Eddington wakes up and he's like, hey, we're about to be, uh, Cisco's like, we're about to be chased by two Jemadar warships. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's like, well, you better help me uh, figure it out. He's like, well, I'm not helping you. You better do something about it. So this game, like, what, um, Jeff? What do you think of Cisco's tactics here? To he's like, well, I bet you don't want to die. He's testing Eddington's death wish that Eddington doesn't care about any of this, and he, he he'll let the Geminar blow them to, to, to pieces. Yeah, Ultimately, but- it works. Yeah, it works because he did have one last thing he wanted to do, but he does have, but he did have a death wish. He did have a death wish, but he just wanted to make sure that his wife and those other people, as much as possible, would be okay. So he does have some, but it's it's all in the service of his like ego, like you, Kevin said, right? Like that he's yeah. just it's all about his own reputation glory how history's going to look at him so anyway he takes the cuffs out off of him here he says well you're gonna take the helm and i'm gonna go down oh he goes gets a rack to gino he's like i'm gonna get a rack to gino and he's like at a time like this uh he's like the throat's a little parched a little parched uh i especially like that it's not the normal mug it's a, like it's a smaller cup it just makes him more look like more of a dick drinking it you know <laughs> Mm. <laughs> drink my mm. Ractagino out of my tiny cup. Yeah, it's just like it's it's it's. It, I think it's Leave specifically some need more pinky action. Yeah, it's just it's really funny. I like I like the way that Avery Brooks plays this scene, um, and uses the cup at a few different times. Right? He's like, I'm betting you're not going to let us die. That's why I'm going to sip of my Ractagino. <laughs> so anyway, Eddington does take the helm and pulls. Uh, even though it's a, it's a, it's kind of a rough ride. Cisco still doesn't spill that rack to Gino. And he's like, well, I'm gonna like we gotta we gotta like move around uh, this plasma field in some kind of a spiral kind of a fashion or something like that. I like uh, Cisco's line here. Very fancy. Very fancy. I like it. 
And then he drinks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Eddie Dick could just like grab his phaser and stun him at any time here, but he doesn't. So they're kind of like this weird odd couple throughout the whole episode, especially from this point on, because now the, the, the cuffs are off. Uh, and he's, they're trying to work together. He's like, I'll help you. I'll help you even take down these missiles. But then I'm going to kill you, is what he says to Cisco. He's like, oh, yeah, bitch. Yeah, we're going to see about that. Maybe you don't want to die. Anyway. So uh, later on, he's like, this is the lucky loony speech, guys. Uh, yeah. the, only, as, as, as the only Canadian. You didn't happen to see an old coin. You didn't happen to see an old earth coin about this big with a bird on the front? A bird. A moon, actually. My lucky loony. It's an old Canadian coin. Been in the family for over 200 years. It's probably in some locker in the assay office, along with the rest of your things. I hope so. I hate to think I'd lost it. Would it have been... Dave, would it have been a good reveal, I think, um, if when... Eddington and Cisco depart that last time. Cisco hands him the loony, right, and gives it to him, and then you have that ending scene or something. Like I feel like like this whole speech. Why give us this this in the episode if you're not going to do something with the loony at the end? Maybe someone was fast. Someone on the writing team was fascinated with the loony. <laughs> it's like you think fairly new then. I think it would have been awesome if, like, uh, if, if, like, Cisco had like kept it on his desk after this as like or some kind of trophy, wife. or giving it to the wife would have been the nicer thing to do. <laughs> Mounted uh, it on the wall, like a like a trophy. Trophy. Yeah. <laughs> See, this this was Eddie's lucky looty. <laughs> he He's got shot. Right a placeholder for his head. <laughs> yeah. His luck ran out, and I took his luck. Yeah. <laughs> My lucky loony. Uh, so they're going to Cisco had been like playing with the loony at the end of the episode, even even something like that. Something I think like there's something they could have done here in this episode. They could have cut out Nog falling back off his chair or something else in this episode or, that we or Quark and Morn. yeah the whole the whole Quark and uh, uh, did, Morn. Did Armin Shimmerman have something in his contract that he absolutely had to be in every episode? Because there are several episodes where he has like one line. They just like they shoehorn him in, right? Yeah. He's probably, he probably in the con- he's contracted for a certain amount of episodes, and they're like, "We have nothing for you, but we're gonna get our bang for our buck," and they just suit a scene with these people in it. Yeah, like I feel like as a they they probably had to pay him X amount, no matter how many episodes they put him in or not, and maybe there was part of the, that was part of it or something. Um, yeah, but like I feel like I feel like that that's that's a miss in the episode. Uh, but then we see here that they, they didn't quite shake off those Jemadar ships. Uh, they are coming at them, and uh, <laughs> this guy's got a good line here. I like to he's like, "If you do have a plan, I guarantee I'll learn to love it." Yeah, you have a plan. <laughs> I need you. whatever your plan is. I'll love it. Let's go. <laughs> so, so he's like, "Well, you, we need you to." do something to the engines while they're going. He's like, well, that sounds dangerous. He's like, well, I got to pilot the ship, so why don't you go back there and uh, f- do the, the circuit things, right? And he's like, well, that's not, that's against regulations. He's Truth, like, you don't think like a maquis. Truthfully, didn't look that dangerous. Yeah, it didn't look that dangerous. <laughs> it didn't really. Like, I feel like they could have done more with that, 
right? Because yeah. he's he's so he, he sends him into the this runabout Jeff, Jeffrey's tube. Um, he has to like he says he has to like do a safety override here, but this doesn't look. No, he's, he grabs them without even with barely looking at them, and then just <laughs> shoves them into these other holes. Like he's not careful at all. <laughs> yeah, but he keeps like calling up Eddington, like keep the ship steady. He's like, sorry, we just hit some bore of my gas or something. Like he could have been like, you know, some extra care. Like he did it slowly. No, he's like, eh. no, he's like, yeah, go, go, go. done. Um, and uh, yeah, they're they're trying to get away here. Uh, they leave this this they they this is I guess what Cisco is doing is allowing them to ignite their plasma trail. So they can then hit these Jemadar ships with the shockwave is what the plan is. And it works. Uh, we're not quite sure if they destroy the ships, but they seem to be, at least be disabled. Uh, and he's like, hey, Cisco, are you there? Hey, Ben. Oh, and then <laughs> Cisco shows like, oh, I'm alive, bitch. Don't you worry. <laughs> you thought you could take me out that easy? <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm so glad you're, ha- you're alive. And it's Cisco's looks here, guys. Just just look at these. Like he's got this like gash on his head. And then <laughs> he's so like he should have had this big bulb on his head for the rest of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like F my life. All right, back to the station. Um, we got a shot of a Benzite like very quickly here. Um, without the breathing apparatus. Uh then we see it's Jake and Nog walking along the promenade talking about how um, Jake might bring a girl back to their apartment and might want to, uh, you know, like you got to give me a heads up and, and Nog's like, you have no game. You have, you, you never get, you never get past the talking phase. Let's face it here, man. He's like, I'm working on it. And he's like, well, what if I'm bringing back the girl? He's like, you haven't dated anybody since the, you went to the Academy. Basically. Um, I don't know. I, I I always do like the scenes with Jake and Nog. They are one of the better relationships on the show, I think. Uh, and it's the most interesting thing kind of about Jake a lot of the times. Uh, <laughs> he's friends with Nog. Um, anyway, but then they, they spot they spot the um, the Klingons, Martok and the and the gang hanging out at their spot. This is where they hang out, guys. How dare they? Oh, we got we got the we got the man back. Wow, that was quick. Had to prove that, to Sam didn't want to worry his poor sweet character. Yeah, he was. He's like, I was all good. I was. He was paying attention to the road. Yeah, man. So the whole scene here, Davin, where Nog chooses to stand up to Martok, you know, and and Jake thinks he's crazy. I love this scene. I love this whole subplot. Yeah, <laughs> this it's episode. my favorite part of this episode. Like, I love all the Cisco and Eddington stuff, but I love this stuff. Yeah, it's 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 good. I just like how he's like, "Hey, uh, lo- loitering on the promenade is a, an offense." I'll stand where I want, Ferengi. You know, I just um, like this. Like they know that's my spot. It's like they know they, they're doing why this. Why would they know that's your spot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why would they challenge me? I love too that he doesn't pick random Klingons. He's always after Martok. <laughs> yes, specifically Martok. You gotta go after the biggest dog in the yeah. the yard, and then everyone will fall in line. Right. His early his earlier lines like one of my favorite ever though. It's just like the Klingons, sir. Their attitude. It's bad. 
It's like Jake not cleaning up in the quarters. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and like, you know, he gives him a stare down and then just I, I, <laughs> the look on his face. Like Aaron Eisenberg really did a great job with this role um, as yeah, it evolves, you know, from where it started. Right. And, uh, and just the smile that JG Hertzler gives them here through the, through the fangs. Good stuff. Um, yeah. You know, like, like I'd say like this crew, this station, especially in like this, they're really trying to establish like the ground was like Martox here. And like, we got all like, you know, Nog and all these people, like it's so much better Kevin than, enterprise where <laughs> just a general enterprise like they have like only six or seven characters on that show and mo- it's it's mostly like only the two or three of them that get any screen time and there's kind of it's all one note and a little boring but here there's so many like characters coming in and out all the time you wanted more Merriweather, um you know plot lines and such well they could do something with mayweather like more like they do like they even throw jacob's right name I call him Merryweather. <laughs> Merryweather, the merry man, the merry men. Nobody um, knows the difference. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, you know the difference, right? Or yeah, but uh, anyway, Nog here. Klingons. You just have to know how to handle them. <laughs> <laughs> the laugh is what makes. It. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Back to uh, the Badlands. And I was always like, how is there a planet in the Badlands? Well, we get to see one right here. It's kind of a little bit of space behind it. Um, anyway, they're saying, like, well, we can't. Uh, we're not. He's like, I'm not detecting any missiles. He's like, well, that was the idea. Uh, Eddington's got some great, like, um, plans here. And he's like, well, we can't beam down. So we're going to have to land the shuttle on a, on a pad here. And then these guys going through the caves, uh, Cisco remarks that they're man-made tunnels. He's like, yeah, I know. I made them. I cut them out with myself with the phaser. But the, the, the Jemadar are here too, like almost at the same moment. Right. And I guess in did, they didn't, maybe they beamed down. I'm not sure. Or they were already here. Perhaps they were um, already there. They were already, already there. Oh, they were already there. Okay. That's my, yeah. that's my bad. Um, Anyway, so Cisco and uh, Eddington see them. There's a bit of a thing here. And then the Jemadar see them back. And then <laughs> shooting uh, insights. Um, he's like, you know, let's go for it here. Uh, this is where Cisco actually gives him the phaser. This guy who threatened to kill him, uh, you know, not long ago. He's like, here's the phaser. I'm going to take the pipe and I'm going to go beat these Jemadar with a pipe. Is, is <laughs> Cisco's plan. It kind of works. He's like, he goes around the corner here and then attacks these two Jemadars from before. <laughs> like, just look at, look at Cisco's face there. It's hard to see in the screenshot, but he's just like, ah! Cisco <laughs> is me in video games where I'm like, I do have a gun, but I do see this <laughs> pipe there. I'm just going to hit them with the pipe instead. I'll be the one with the pipe. Ammo. <laughs> right. Save the ammo. It works. He takes out a whole, he takes a Jemadar out completely with that pipe. And then there's a bit of a struggle here, and Eddington has to kind of try to figure out which one of them to shoot. Um, and it's when it's, it's when Cisco's knocked down and has the, the gun in his face that Eddington shoots. And he's like, yeah, well, I just figured the guy who won the fight would be not you. Um, yeah. <laughs> Cisco just gives him, like, I just like the mutual loathing these two have for each other is, is was good. 
And I'm like, I'm almost like, I wish Eddie didn't didn't die in this episode. I feel like uh, there was more here to this, but I don't know. In some ways, um, if they had to work together against the the uh, uh, Cardassians and the Dominion, that right. could have been an interesting dynamic. Like um, Starfleet brokers a deal with the remaining Maquis because they need their assistance. Um, with the using the Badlands as a major pivotal fighting area, um, yeah, like yeah, yesterday's enemy is tomorrow's ally, right? Yeah. Which is kind of what the show does explore, like more so with the Klingons, I'd say in particular. Um, but uh, yeah, like the Maquis—they just kind of write them out of the Star Trek universe, basically. You know? I think they want to. Like, it, it, I think it was time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you were the only one who thought so. Utterly, <laughs> they're like, nah. Anyway, so they start looking around. They find all these dead bodies, guys, of who have been, they've all been killed here. And this is where Eddington has a bit of his, like, I guess, survivor's guilt, you know? He, he mentions here that the Maquis colonies... The Maquis colonies were going to declare themselves an independent nation. They were going to be an independent nation, guys. They were going to... Maquis land. Yeah. <laughs> Maquis land. What would, what would that... Yeah, would it have been called Maquis land? I think that's a good name for it. Yeah. Grow your own tomatoes. Uh, <laughs> gotta have an export. Your, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maki Land tomatoes. They're major export. <laughs> tomatoes that nobody up. wants. Hardest to grow. Yeah, you know how hard it was to grow these? <laughs> Buy them. <laughs> you know how hard it is to grow tomatoes? <laughs> Only $3.99 a pound. Uh, I like how Cisco's like, I don't know, man. They're dead. I'm going to have to, we're going to have to figure this out. But for now, I have to stop these missiles. Remember the missiles? I don't have time for you to be sad about this. Right. Yeah, 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 missiles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. There are missiles. All right, we'll go do it. And he even puts the gun at him here at the end of this, right? And Cisco just kind of waits to see if he'll shoot him. And he doesn't. Because I guess he figures he still needs him. <laughs> <laughs> if Cisco was just an instigator, goes like, I knew you wouldn't do it, bitch. But okay, how did Cisco know? Because Cisco's like Eddington says at this part. Okay, it's uh, through this way. And he's like, "Are you sure?" He's like, "You really want to have an argument now about this?" And uh, he says, "Hey, what? Wait a second. And, and Cisco just like boom, 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 boom. And then these Jemadar are like uh, they're cloaked or whatever, and then he just <laughs> takes them out. Like this was like almost gangster style, right? Yeah. And then. Eddington says it's a good thing one of us remembered they could do that. Okay, so Eddington, you weren't going to save the Maquis. There's no fucking way. Yeah. That was a shot across the bow from one rider to the others in the rider's room. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad one of us remembered they could do that. Yeah, I guess that's that is probably you're right. That's something that the writers uh figured out. But they can cloak these Jemadaro, so why wouldn't they be cloaked? Oh yeah. So they get into the room where the missiles are supposed to be, but guess what? There are no missiles, just more mucky, um, including Rebecca. It's mucky land. It's mucky land. Yeah, mucky land. A bunch of tomato farmers <laughs> here. That's <laughs> but but at the same time, <laughs> it's like all they do. <laughs> it makes sense. Well, it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes sense for the Jim Hardar to have a trap with. Like the cloaked individuals right in front of the door. Right? Yeah. The, oh yeah. The, like, 
just to no, see no. if they could draw in any more people and that you know the guard could be down. It makes sense right. why they were doing it. And but. Rebecca, they, there's a couple lines of dialogue between Eddington and Rebecca here that explains like they were holding out for as long as they can, but ultimately they wanted to capture her and all the leaders so they could present like the Gemini could present them to the Cardassians as like sort of a gift. Thanks for joining the Dominion. Here's like a um a little, gift little basket of mucky muckies. Muckies, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Cisco's like, oh cool, man. You found love and everything else. He's like, but where are the missiles? Well, there are no missiles. He's like, sorry. <laughs> you should have went like this. <laughs> yeah. He's like, can I make my face more punchable right now? <laughs> sure can. <laughs> <laughs> Smile and then the punches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. Dogs are right down. He's like, oh, yeah, you want to go? And the and Rebecca here is like no in man, we, pure Canadian fashion. You want to go, bro? You want to go? Yeah. Yeah. You want to go? You want to? You want to no. sucker punch me? I totally could have shot you five minutes ago. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretty much what he, he is doing there. Yeah, um, yeah. This is the kind of the, the last little chat here between Eddington and his wife, who we never knew about until this episode. And they're they're making their way through. This guy gets shot in the back, and then they're they're on the run. Um, oh, the romantic gives kiss to the wife, last kiss to her before he's like, "Go on, I'll catch up." But he won't catch up, guys. So no, he will intentionally. He will intentionally kill himself. Yeah. More or less. Why couldn't he like overheat the rifle and throw it at them, and you know, run? Yeah, I don't think he. Maybe, maybe she's not that he wasn't too happy to be married to her. Maybe that's why he surrendered to the. He didn't turn himself in in two weeks. That is the most logical explanation. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I need death sweet release. Couldn't get an annulment, so he's like, "This is the next good thing." All right. Anyway, he gets. This is where he does. He does get shot here. The Gemidar, maybe at least three coming at him. Um, yeah, because he doesn't seem that hurt, really. Like, it seems like he could have maybe tried to run away. <laughs> yeah, maybe get to the runabout. Maybe. Well, the, the Gemini weapons do have that, like, coagulant that just, like, True. kills you. It kills it let you. Uh, you can't, uh, the bleeding won't stop. And it, yeah. yeah. So, anticoagulant, I should say. Anticoagulant, that's right. Anyway, so the last, so Cisco agrees to let. Eddington sacrificed himself here. Um, Sounds like a you problem, not a me one. (laughs) (laughs) More or less. And he's like, well, I guess, you know, and and so I I think this is why Cisco ultimately forgives him here. Uh, Cisco says, "Uh, yeah, Eddington's not coming to Rebecca. And she's like, what? He's like, yeah, he's no. You want to go? You can go back and get him. (laughs) He's like, I'm I'm real broken up about it. Get on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. I was here to I was here to stop a bunch of missiles that never existed, so whatever. Uh, I did, and and uh, Eddington, you know, he he he's talking here. He's like, uh, you know, we need a we. Does anyone know a good song? Something rousing. Seems like a perfect time for a song. What song do you think he wanted to hear, guys? He couldn't do anything from um, what's it called? Him, uh, yeah. He should have done, done, done something from Les Mis. Yeah. Sure. A Javert song. No, wait, no, who's he? He's Jean Valjean. 
Yeah, he's yeah. Cisco's Cisco's Javert, right? Yeah. Yeah. The oh, there's Lee's fortune. <laughs> they couldn't get anyway. the rights, so they just kill him off. <laughs> so these Jemadar are, are racing at him and uh and they take him out and uh and my and lucky loony. My lucky loony goes out forever. The end of Eddington, guys. All nine he only had nine episodes in total, including this one. So he wasn't he wasn't in the show a ton. Um they make their I'm, getaway here. I'm surprised there isn't like some um a book written by the actor saying that the board came by, picked up his grave, and turned <laughs> reanimated him and turned him into a Borg. Uh, oh, I am Eddington of Borg, and then a like Maki, the... a Maki Borg. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Especially... he's like he would be like Eddington of Saskatoon or something. Yeah. <laughs> like you finally know where he's from, and then you could visit the we, town, hometown of Eddington. Like they we just zoom in on a planet with a Borg growing tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> for folks who don't I am know, tomatoes of Borg. For, for, tomatoes. for folks who don't know, that's a reference to um, um, the Return. Is a book by William Shatner that is a sequel to um, Star Trek Generations, where um, Shatner, sorry, Kirk dies, and the Borg um, resurrects him and turns him into a Borg. To go after the Enterprise and Starfleet. Yeah. Well, like Kirk's like, what do you mean you or Shatter's like, what do you mean you killed off Kirk in generations? I'm gonna write a book where he comes back to life. Yep. As a four. I know Shatner just can't stand Star Trek moving on without him. Oh, he hates it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even though he, he's a part owner of the franchise and he gets royalties no matter how successful the show is. So uh, oh, and that's disappointing. Anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, so back to D Space Nine. Uh, we got a quick scene here between because uh, Nog found Major Kira's earring or something. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, this is really just so that there can be a quick little moment here with Martox's cadet, and uh, and and Kira's confused as how did you earn that respect that Klingon? That's it for that that part of the episode. And then we get uh, Jed's ear here at the end. He was a romantic, and what? is more romantic than a glorious death in defense of a lost cause. Um, you know, someone who's romantically still with his wife, you know, <laughs> somebody yeah, who would like... together for a lost cause. Now there's some <laughs> freaking romance for you. Cisco would just be like, Oh no, Cisco's with Cassidy Yates at this point. So yeah, you can't even like, if he had claimed Eddington's wife as his next date, <laughs> 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 <This claims her. laughs> Pretty hardcore. Yeah. Hey, Mrs. Valjean. You, <laughs> you want to be Mrs. Javert? Madame Javert? Madame Javert. Okay. Uh, I already played it once, but he'll play it again. I called him a traitor once. But in a way, he was the most loyal man I ever met. Except to his wife. He was a marquee. Right up to the bitter end. A union man. He was Probably. a union man. He was a union man. <laughs> um, and then, like, I, I felt like a little bit like an Enterprise ending here, Kevin, um, where it just kind of like, you know, Dax walks out and then he just shares at the window. No lucky loony. No, 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 no. Enterprise, no. This is not an Enterprise ending. This is still an ending. Enterprise, <laughs> they just go all the way to the end and then they go, okay, it's over. <laughs> Credit. Everything is over. 
Yeah. Yeah. At least there's like some kind of a like a semblance of a story that was told here. Um, so anyway, that's why the end the, of the. Why did the Maquis take over the runabout? There were like twenty to. I know. Yeah, that was the other thing. Like, I, did yeah. they go to prison? Did did Cisco like drop them off in jail, or did I, I was a bit? Uh... It's not like these are are just refugees. They're fucking freedom fighters. <laughs> like they can't overpower. Well, we lost. And they were supposedly the good ones. I mean, they survived. Yeah. Now, Jeff, are you able to do fun facts? No, we can't do it the way I'm set up. You can't, you can't do it. Okay, guys. Well, then I'm going to try to, unless somebody else uh, is is itching. Discoveries made by Dave. Details discovered Details. by Details. Dave. Let's go, guys. We're we're we're, we're, we're I don't have a theme song. No. Okay, so um, we can play you one. All right. So Iris Stephen Bear decided to end the Michael Eddington Maquis story arc because he felt that there were too many open threads leading into the sixth season and he wanted to get some closure on at least one of them. Uh, we were desperate to get to, to finish something off. We had to finish the thread. It was necessary. We just had so many things. So I told them we were going to end something and then not hear about it again. Indeed, Bear wanted to officially kill off every single member of the Maquis, but Rick Berman wouldn't allow him to do this in the case Voyager wanted to use them at some point in the future. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> Look, we found a mysterious wormhole. Oh, Voyager. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as far as D Space Nine writers were concerned, the Maquis were done. They're, we're done with the Maquis now. Um, the B story of this episode was created to reassure viewers that General Martok was still on the station after the events of Soldiers of the Empire. I did anyone was anybody worried? Nope. Okay. Um, Bears based Michael Denton, Michael Eddington's death scene on Steve McQueen's death in the 1966 film Robert Wise movie The Sand Pebbles. Okay. Uh, the way Nog rocks his bar chair in the scene with Quark with Martok was homage to Henry Fonda's character in My Darling Clementine. All right. Um, Production. To construct the Maquis base in this episode, the production designer Herman Zimmerman used the same set as had been used in the previous episode, Children of Time. But with lots and lots of mist. That's it. But just lots of mist. Um, the establishing shot of the Starbase where Eddington is being held is reused stock footage of the regular one space station from Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Uh, I did think it looked pretty old. Yeah. yeah. It was... It was interesting. The holding cell where Cisco visits Eddington is a redress of the USS Voyager brig, uh, moving the cell from a point from frame uh, of the door to directly across from it. This version of the set will be seen again in the episode Waltz, this time with a stretch of USS Defiant corridor erected outside to serve as the interior of the USS Honshu. That's the Waltz is the one where Cisco and uh, du Ducat were like on that planet together. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? That's okay, so after this episode aired and the Eddington story arc officially ended, many found the character of Eddington a little difficult to pin down. Some loved him. Some hated him. Many others were a little unsure of him. The sense of uncertainty is shared by Eric Stephen Bear himself. I still haven't figured him out. Do we like him? Do you not like him? Was he good? Bad? Pain in the ass? I'm not even sure. Even Cisco like seems... <laughs> Kevin knows where he where he lands on Eddington. 
which is why he played him in a radio theater once. Um, <laughs> the, fi- the final scene uh, in the episode between himself and Dax, as he tried to come to terms with who Eddington was and what he stood for, was written precisely to get to the core of Eddington's raison d'etre, not just for Cisco, but for the audience and the writers as well. And according to Bear, I felt it was very important to try to make sense of the man Eddington was. We owed it to Cisco to try to give him some kind of closure, some kind of understanding. On top of everything else, he let the guy die, basically. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> kind of like encouraged him to do it. Um, yeah, thanks. A <laughs> couple other things here, guys. When Martok remarks Nog is either very brave or very foolish, this is a tribute to the classic 1960s movie, The Blue Max, in which that line was first spoken. Um, when Morn screams, we're all doomed, is a tribute to the 1991 Naked Gun Two and a Half, The Smell of Fear movie, where Lloyd Boucher screams in panic, it's a cookbook, it's a cookbook, which in itself is a parody of Boucher's role in the classic Twilight Zone episode, To Serve Man. Mm-hmm. Um, eating people! It's Soylent Green. Based on averaging the differences of the star dates between Children in Time and Empak Noor, the, uh, the initial events of first Star Trek First Contact should have occurred between this episode and the next. However, Cisco's mention of the recent Borg attack in Purgatory Shadow actually places First Contact before that episode. So a little bit of indetermined things here. And guys, also, lastly, the news of the destruction of the Maquis at the hands of the Dominion was later sent to former Maquis member Chakotay in the Voyager episode Hunters, where Starfleet used a Herogen communications network to transmit personal letters to the crew of Voyager and the Delta Quadrant. So a little bit of crossover. And that's like it. When, when they did that in Voyager, like they all got the news that the Maki was gone. Yeah. Mm. Well, that was really cool. Yeah. They... Guess what? The, the Star Trek D Space Nine writer said that we're done with this. And so, so are you, Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, let's go over to our ratings. Um, and oh, I put the wrong link here. Okay. Uh, ratings, ratings. Where are we going? Deep Space Nine. Okay. Jeff, do you want to start us off here? For 8.1. 8.1. 8.1. Oh, wow. 8. Score. Uh, okay. You guys can see that now. Okay. Um, I'm going. I'm going nine. Feels right. Jamil. Um, 8.5. Uh, Kevin? 9.5. Mostly for Nog. And Davin? 9.5. 9.5. Okay, well, pretty highly rated episode, guys. We've averaged 8.9 tonight. Jeff, the lowest mark. Uh, this has a 7.5 on IMDb. Um, oh, it did. Uh, and uh, an Iris Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf script, story. And anyway, that's the blaze of glory. So, uh, Jeff, do you know what we're, we're going to be talking about next here on Live Long? I believe it's Empak Noor. It is Empak Noor. Now, we may have to take a week off because technically Josh Foster is organizing an Admiral's get-together next Tuesday. So uh, maybe we, we, we skip next week or something along those lines. Sure. So just, just put it out there, Sam. I don't want you to be disappointed next Tuesday night. Did you guys stop the fun facts or we didn't stop them? There are details discovered by Dave now. <laughs> this week, <laughs> anyway. This week, anyway. 
All right. Um, is there anything else on the, the Blaze of Glory worth uh, mentioning? Which, 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 worth, worth recapping? No. All right. That's it. All right. Well, guys, um, we're, we're going to get out of here. Star Trek Enterprise. Every Monday night, we're talking about a newest episode. Uh, you got to check it out. Kevin loves it. Precious <laughs> Cargo is, is an abomination. The one we watched last night with, um, it was called Precious Cargo. Precious Cargo. Precious Cargo. Precious oh, my Cargo. God. Precious Right up until there was no ending. Yeah, there's no ending, but there's a harmonica to start. So Kevin was in. Yeah, I was in. Just the Enterprise flying through space to a harmonica. I was into that. Yeah, that's what Trip does on his off duty. So you want to hear of some harmonica playing Southern Engineer who parks in front of the moon and maybe makes a pass at you. Check that out every Monday night, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, <laughs> It's not me. That's not the harp I wanted. <laughs> Don't worry. I won't make a pass at you. Yeah. And then uh, Star Trek um, Radio key. Star Trek Radio Theater, guys. We just posted the edited version. Well, not that long ago, but the, it's up there. It's subtitled Death Wish. Star Trek Voyager episode Death Wish. Uh, if you haven't listened to that yet, uh, a lot of the people here were in that one. Um, Jeff was Isaac Newton in that one. You Sir Isaac out. Newton. Yeah, he killed some prostitutes or something. Um, <laughs> and, and then did radio theater. <laughs> they did radio theater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so check out Star Trek, our Star Trek radio theater. The uh, in just a couple of weeks, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3 kicking off August 25th. That's actually my anniversary. Uh, right before Jeff gets married on August 27th. Uh, so that's coming up uh, in the not-too-distant future, guys. We'll be starting up with the new episodes. You can check out Star Trek Prodigy, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds. We've done podcasts for all of them. You should check those out if you haven't already. And uh, Super Mater Brothers podcasting every Sunday, Wednesday, and Thursday this summer. Jamil, Jeff, and I talking about Big Brother. You know, I want two muffins, so I'm gonna put them bad boys in a bag and save them for later. Yeah, you want to hear about Muffin Gate? Check out Super Mater Brothers podcasting over there, uh, where we're talking about Big Brother. We talked about Survivor, we talked about Big Brother Canada, Marvel, different shows. You should check that channel out. And guys, also our Trivial Debates channel, where we argue about movie, TV, sports, and more in a monthly show format. We had Chris Murphy set to host this next one, August 21st, with Jody, Adam, and Chris competing. However, Adam doesn't seem to know when, when it is and doesn't even know <laughs> if he's in it. So we'll see. This panel may change. Stay tuned for more details. Okay. Uh, and also, you check out Davin's podcast, Locuters of Trek, his Star Trek themed channel, where he's got with him and Dave. They, uh, the, a new episode just went up. No, it didn't go up. It's in the can. I got to edit it. It's in the can. Oh, you recorded it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, X-Men, the animated series, X-rated, a review yeah. show. Every Tuesday. We I were, was just on it tonight. You were just on that. Yeah, yeah. That was a yeah. good talk about been, Phoenix Saga, Cry of the Banshee. I've been podcasting for like three hours straight, almost. So it's uh, I'm, I'm tired and hungry. Uh, mm. But it, we were talking about the Banshee guys uh, with Moira McTaggart. I don't know, no, uh, you know, Cassidy. Anyway, and there was a what character. Such a little bitch. What was that? 
That's my Irish accent. Or my Scottish accent. I don't know. <laughs> this is Sean Cassidy. <laughs> Sean. I don't know. I don't know, Moira. A stag and a lion. That is yeah. me. That's the family of mine. Poor is what he controls. <laughs> I love Banshee. I love Banshee. Yeah, we were talking about that tonight. The uh, the uh, what's it called? The what is the Banshee? The episode? Cry of the Banshee. Cry of the Banshee. And we just said like he's like the worst guy to ever have on your superhero team because anytime you want to go somewhere with him, he's like, Aah! and he just screams. I like... disagree. He is an excellent leader. He was leader of Generation X with uh, White Queen and Emma Frost. Excellent leader. I disagree with you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, well, it's okay. Um, and then uh, you should check out, uh, well, Jeff's wedding coming up soon. Sam says, congrats. Wants to know when, when the Gilligan's Island podcast is coming. It, it's certainly not before the wedding. Um, so I can only I can only give, go that far. Maybe when um, there's not a big brother or there's not a survivor, um, which is never. So we'll see. Um, guys, what else? Let's talk about fighting games with Eamon Mater, also known as Sam Jerka. Gotta run, crying baby. Okay, see you later, Devin. See you later. All right, and uh, in the Hellbound podcast with Michael Chan and Alex Blackburn, uh, that's on Wednesday. It's a horror theme podcast. Horror, 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 horror. Horror? Horror. Horror. I don't know what you're saying. Horror. All right. Anyway, Blaze of Glory is over, and we've finished the podcast here on Live Long and Podcast. Um, that's all the plugs. Thanks for being with us. Like we said, we probably might be off next uh, next week, but uh, we'll probably be back for the 23rd of August. Impact Nor. All right, guys. Uh, uh, take care and have fun and uh, we'll see you next time and uh, we need uh, oh we need a quote here guys to go out on um, something the end of Eddington oh, yeah we'll do we'll do the lucky loony just in uh, it's probably the last time we're ever going to play it here we go you didn't happen to see an old earth coin about this big with a bird on the front a bird a, a bird. moon actually my lucky loony it's an old Canadian coin been in the family for over 200 years. It's probably in some locker in the assay office, along with the rest of your things. I hope so. I hate to think I'd lost it. <laughs>